you know, in many ways, it's, it's mushrooms are interesting because the mycelium of the mushroom functions as a uh, as a communication network, linking plants, linking trees together, sharing nutrients, uh, sharing information between different organisms, and you know that's in some way been a parallel for my own journey, if you like, you know, because I've learned so much from so many different people and from so many different places, if you like, about mushrooms. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, we have Martin Powell joining us. He is a Chinese herbalist, a biochemist, and an author, and also a mushroom expert. He is going to share with us today information about mushrooms and the various enterprises in which he's been involved with. And I am delighted to say that I have co-host Linda Sims joining me. She is a qualified nutritional therapist. She's also an instructor at the College of Naturopathic Medicine and has extensive knowledge about mushrooms mushrooms. So I hope you sit back and enjoy this session today. I knew mushrooms were exciting, but this session with Linda and Martin made them all the more interesting. Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast today. It is really great to have you here, Martin and Linda. Very nice to be joining you today, uh, Deb. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, Deb. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are here primarily today to talk with you, Martin, about your history, your background, your interest, and I don't want to, the word is overly used, um, so I won't say passion, (laughs) but your your real curiosity about uh, mushrooms. And uh, for starters, I know you've got a variety of interests, but Primarily, I think we'll end up talking about that. But um, and then you and Linda can obviously get into more of the technical details because Linda has taught me and instructed me, and I've learned a tremendous amount from her about mushrooms and their potential to help our bodies heal. So, uh, are you happy with that in theory right now, for the, as far as the discussion goes? Yes. No, we can okay. we can just uh, see where it goes. Yes, just tell us a little bit about your background. How about that? Okay, I uh, I, I studied uh, biochemistry um, at university, so I kind of came from a life sciences background. But I I really wasn't that interested in you know, bacteria or you know, counting colonies on an agar plate, and hmm. so I uh, and I actually became much more interested in Chinese culture. I had a number of Chinese friends at university. And I started learning Chinese language, and then that took me to to Taiwan, uh, where I studied Chinese, and then that took me into studying Chinese medicine because I started to become interested really in all aspects of Chinese culture and Chinese philosophy, and because of the life, my interest, if you like, in in life sciences and the body and biochemistry, I headed down the medical route and became an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. And that's, you know, that, that's why I was a practitioner. You know, I, I was seeing patients and not really at that stage very aware of the possibilities of mushrooms or the health benefits of mushrooms because it's a bit, they're a bit of an odd 
the category, or they have been an odd category. They were, yeah. you know, more, almost like the um, ugly sister, if you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that they, you know, whether it was Chinese herbal medicine or Western herbal medicine or nutritional medicine, it, none of those areas of natural medicine going back to this time into the, um, you know, into the early 1990s uh, were really teaching about mushrooms. You know, they weren't really taught on nutritional courses or you know, they were touched on very briefly on uh, Western herbal courses or Chinese herbal courses. So they weren't really you know, given a great deal of uh, weight. So I, I had some, uh, some, some, yeah, some vague awareness of uh, their potential benefits, but you know they weren't really a major part of what I was doing. And then after a few years, I went back to Taiwan uh, to do some further training and ended up uh, working for a company over there that made nutritional supplements based on mushrooms. Um, and it was, I mean, it's. Um, it was a friend of mine from when I was there before studying the language. And he had this business then, which was making uh, mushroom supplements uh, available. So I started working for him and helping him with the English language uh, material because he was about to launch his products in Australia. And through doing that, I started to learn more about their potential and the research which had been done in Japan, um, in China at that point in time. So that's really the first time I had some uh, awareness of the the wide uh, therapeutic potential, if you like, of mushrooms. And then I came back and started you know, using them more in my practice. And then um, after a few a few more years passed, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I I there were there were some some things that I. I couldn't um, get hold of here in the UK that I wanted for my patients. And so I ended up setting up a small business to import these herbal products um, for my patients and then started supplying them to other practitioners. And then after a um, uh, few months, actually, I was then approached by somebody I knew to distribute a range of mushroom supplements. And so Again, it was an instance where, you know, mushrooms kind of sought me out. I (laughs) didn't suddenly wake up one morning and have an epiphany and decide that I was going to go and uh, learn all about mushrooms. But they kept kind of um, coming into my life. So I ended up distributing these mushroom supplements and then giving talks about mushrooms and then getting asked to give more talks about mushrooms. And then I really thought, you know, I really ought to take this seriously. <laughs> if I, you know, because I, I, I was at that point, I was telling, I was teaching people, I was telling people what I had been told, and I had right. taken, if you like, on face value. And I really, you know, if you like, hadn't done my due diligence as far as the validity or veracity uh, of the information that I had been. Um, given. So I then decided I really needed to get to the bottom of this and needed. I really wanted to know as a practitioner, what was the best mushroom for my patients? You know, for any patient, what was the mushroom that would have the best uh, therapeutic um, 
results. Because if you look, the only book really at that time was Christopher Hobbes's book, Medicinal Mushrooms, uh, I think, Traditional Tradition, Healing and Culture. And that listed a lot of the research. Um, it was originally 1985, it was published and it was republished in 1995. Uh, and that listed a lot of the studies which had been carried out. But you know, pretty much every mushroom you looked at, you know, they were good for the immune system, they were good for cancer, they were good for hepatitis, they were good for cholesterol, they were good for blood sugar control. You know, there really wasn't that much you know, to tell me as a practitioner, which one I should be using. As far as I was aware, almost, you know, uh, you could use pretty much any of them interchangeably. So I, I, as a practitioner, you want to know what, what is, what, which mushroom um, you want to use. Also how much of it um, you need to use, because again, when you look at the research, a lot of it is not, they, A, they use different, types of raw material so sometimes it might just be the powdered mushroom fruiting body sometimes it may be an extract um, of the fruiting body maybe a hot water extract or a methanol extract another type of solvent uh, extract or other forms of raw material and sometimes they might be clinical studies in humans where it's easy to of course uh, derive the dosage that they were using but a lot of the studies you know maybe on animals so then it's a percentage of the, their feed in a day. So, you know, how relevant was that to, to, to my patients? If it's 5% of feed, you know, what, what is that in relation to a normal diet? Yeah. Can, so can I ask you, I mean, this is interesting that, that uh, the mushrooms sort of sought you out through all of your, your previous uh, work that you'd done. So, what was your process in taking that forward so you would know what mushrooms were going to be the right ones for the right sort of illness or, or health issue, as it were? Well, then I, then I decided that to answer these questions, um, which mushroom, how much, and what form of the mushroom, I then started to go through and read all the research uh, that I could get my hands on that had been uh, published, but look at it from a, uh, a critical uh, eye, if you like, to really look at, you know, what what was the research done on, you know, was it in vitro, was it in vivo, was it clinical studies, and what was used and what dosage it was used at and, you know, what were the outcomes. Uh, and so looking at the research from that point of view, but also looking, using my biochemical background, looking at the active constituents in mushrooms and looking at then how they were contributing to the therapeutic uh, potential, if you like, of the mushroom. And then how an understanding of the individual chemical constituents that were involved in the activity of the mushroom then, of course, fed through into the type of mushroom raw material, supplement, extract that one would ideally want to be using to be able to deliver the key therapeutic components for the mushroom in a um, in, the, in the highest uh, dosage available. So there's a combination of both the chemistry and the clinical uh, you know, laboratory uh, research 
coupled with my own you know clinical experience and practice and also talking to other practitioners and finding out uh, you know what their experience was and learning you know from them and sharing with them so and it's really been an ongoing process and it's still an ongoing process if you like you know in many ways it is a, it's mushrooms are interesting because the mycelium of the mushroom functions as a uh, as a communication network linking plants linking trees together sharing nutrients uh, sharing information between different organisms and you know that's in some way been a parallel for my own journey if you like you know because i've learned so much from so many different people and from so many different places if you like about mushrooms Another area, because of my Chinese language um, and you know interests also in the production side of things, I've also you know spent quite a bit of time in China looking at the areas where because most of the mushrooms you know globally are grown in China and most of the raw materials come from there, but also the states. So I mean I've visited a, num- you know, a number of growers in the states and also spent quite a bit of time in China, you know, looking visiting growers, but also working with uh, manufacturers, you know, companies doing the extraction process, and also with experts in the universities over there. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of uh, many different um, directions through for which have contributed information if you like into this the, the melting pot of my brain <laughs> uh, linda do you want to jump in uh, no I, I just wanted to say that actually my introduction to mushrooms um was through martin this must have been about seven years ago possibly um you did a day course in bristol Mm. And I found that absolutely fascinating. I mean, the, the only knowledge of mushrooms I, before that I had from, you know, the TED Talks by Paul Stamets and from sort of my, my own childhood of foraging, but, you know, foraging just for food. So it, it was absolutely fascinating. And, and I think you just started my passion in into mushrooms. Uh, well, I've always, it's lovely to be able to share you know the 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 little knowledge, if you like, that I have. I mean, I know rel- relatively speaking, I have a lot of knowledge about mushrooms, but <laughs> in, in, in the absolute sense, uh, it's still relatively little because there is so much that we don't know. Um, but you know, one one int- try, I try to integrate all of these different um, different sources, if you like, of the clinical dimension, the research dimension, the the the, the, the the industrial dimension, if you like, um, uh, as well. You you've got you do have a variety of things going on. I've noticed with with uh, doing a little bit of research on you, um, you've got various businesses that you've started. You you help support people that are starting businesses and helping them come up with the different formula it looks like formula for mushrooms um that um, products that they're going to be selling you've written books um so yeah you've you've done so many different things and i I guess is that all you know with does that feed into your research or do you just finding that like the networks of of mushrooms you say you know that they're all a communication network all of those are feeding each other and sort of progressing you onwards to your path of of 
of sharing the knowledge about them or I don't quite know. I think it's yes. pretty obvious. I don't know where I'm going. Well, I think the, 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 the thing that I am passionate about is helping people. Right. You know, that, that's the bottom line, uh, really. So I, you know, all of this is yeah, everything I've done has you know, come about through wanting to, uh, in some way, you know, help people. I wrote the first book, The Medicinal Mushrooms, A Clinical Guide, because I wanted to help practitioners, particularly, to make informed clinical decisions um, for their patients. And, you know, I started, I gave the talk that Linda came to, and I've given other talks again, because, you know, I wanted to you know, help practitioners on, and through them, their patients, to benefit from the uh, potential of mushrooms um, in a health uh, perspective. And the production and the products uh, came about again because I, at that point, you know, as I mentioned, I it was you know, one of the areas that came to me in relation to mushrooms was, was distributing a range of mushroom products. But I realized as I started to learn more about mushrooms that actually these products were not ones that I felt delivered the full therapeutic potential of mushrooms because of the way they were put together, the raw materials that were being used. And so I then um, you know, had a problem because I was using these products with my patients and I was also distributing them, but I no longer felt comfortable <laughs> with them uh, and did felt comfortable standing behind them. So that's why I then started manufacturing mushroom supplements because I wanted a range of mushroom supplements that I felt comfortable using with my patients and also recommending to other practitioners you know, who you know, were asking me, you know, what should we be using? So they would, would both deliver the therapeutic potential of mushrooms, but do so at an affordable price. And I think, so, Martina, I find that really inspiring about you because your supplements are very affordable. I know I spoke to you absolutely. a few months back and, and you said to me, well, a lot of my um, patients are people who have cancer and mm. I want to make these products affordable. And I thought that's such an amazing ethos to have. Because yeah, because it comes from the point of view of wanting to help people. It, it didn't, the mushrooms, the supplement, the supplement side of things came about through necessity, if you like, because I needed to have a range of supplements that, you know, was uh, as good as I could make them, you know, at a, uh, at a reasonable price. And so, yes, it's just another way of, um, you know, if you like, reaching out and, um, you know, and helping people. It's not really um, what people do. If people you know, use those you know, uh, supplements or use another range of supplements, it's fine. It doesn't really you know, make any difference to me at the end of the day. And that's, that's the place where I feel I need to be that um, it doesn't I don't it doesn't make any difference um, my, my job is done in putting them out there and making mm -hmm. them available as my job was done in making the book available yeah, so I'm terrible at marketing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do it a little bit for you here before Linda, Linda jumps into to some some more of the technical questions that I know she wants to get into. But you know, you've got two books right now, don't you? And you've got the second edition on the medicinal mushrooms, the clinical guide. 
and or have you are you've you got a third edition coming out that we don't know about (laughs) there is a um it needs a third edition. The first edition was 2010. The second edition was 2014. And we're now, of course, in 2020. So, yes, there is a need for a uh, third edition um, of that. But it's a, it's a huge task. Um, it was a huge task writing it to start with, but then, you know, up, you know, changing it and then inserting little bits here and there. And, you know, it's very... Uh, I, I, when I did the second edition, I didn't fully appreciate quite what an undertake, what I was taking on. Uh, but having done the second edition, I now have a better understanding of what, what's involved. And so I'm kind of slightly trepidatious about doing a third edition. <laughs> Giving birth a third time. Yeah, but it's, it, it, it is needed. So at some point there will be a third edition, but uh, I'm kind of putting it off as long as I can. Linda, do you want to go? Yes, I, I just wanted to um, ask, ask Martin if he could sort of tell us how to make sure that we get a good quality supplement because there are so many new mushroom supplements on the market and they all market themselves as the best and the organic and, you know, purest. But how do we actually know and how do we choose the best supplement for our clients? Um it's very very difficult i mean mushrooms are a almost uh, uniquely difficult area um in relation to the quality and uh, origin sourcing of the raw materials that go into the products and how little is actually known and understood even by the companies themselves making the supplements Gosh. I mean, I know I was incredibly naive um, myself, and it's only because of uh, having the help and generosity of friends in China who um, have helped to guide me and um, shown me, if you like, uh, what goes on behind the scenes if you like so i have a you know a much better understanding of the industrial aspects of extraction technology and drying technology and test you know testing so there's a there's a it, it's a very complicated area but the fundamental complication um yes is the different forms of mushrooms and in some ways that goes back to the fact that the mushroom that we see the mushroom that we harvest or forage uh, or buy in the supermarket is is just you know, part of the organism. It's the above ground spore bearing fruiting body uh, of the organism. So that's one, if you like, side of the mushroom. The other side is the underground network, the mycelium, which is growing in the soil or is growing in the tree, uh, growing through the substrate. Uh, which is decomposing the substrate, which is competing with all of the other millions of microorganisms um, for those substrates, uh, for those uh, raw materials. So the mycelium is in many, from a metabolic perspective, is the more dynamic uh, part of the mushroom. The fruiting body only exists to spread its spores. I mean, that's the function of the fruiting body. You know, it's just 
you know, project above the soil, release the spores in sometimes prodigious quantities. So those spores can be blown on the wind and can go and populate uh, you know, new areas. So there's the fruiting body and then there's the mycelium. Then within the mycelium, there are two different types of mycelium. Um, one is the, where the mycelium is cultivated in a uh, pharmaceutical manner uh, in a liquid in a fermentation reactor. So in the same way that the pharmaceutical industry produces penicillin by growing the penicillin mold and then extracting the penicillin that it produces from the uh, liquid in which it's growing. So this closed reactor vessel uh, technology is very well established in the pharmaceutical industry and can be used to grow mushroom mycelium uh, as well as other fungal mycelia. And so that, that's one type of mycelium. And then there's another type of mycelium where the mycelium, rather than being grown in a liquid, is grown in a um, solid substrate, which would typically be a grain either brown rice or oats uh, or sorghum, you know, basically any type of grain uh, will, will work. And that then uh, produces a, uh, a mycelial biomass because at the end of the day, where when you grow it in liquid, you can then just filter off the mycelium, dry it, and you have 100% mushroom um, mycelium. Whereas when you're growing it in a grain, you end up with a, uh, a fermented grain, if you like. You end up with you know, rice powder, which has been myceliated. And then the whole mass, the mass of the mushroom mycelium together with the residual grain is dried and powdered and you know, used as a mycelial biomass. And the quality of that varies also significantly depending on how long it's grown for. Because if you think about that format, it's a fermented format. You're using the mushroom to ferment the grain. And as with any fermentation process, the production of enzymes, production of antimicrobial secondary metabolites increases the longer you grow it for. So you, you know, with a fermented product, you to get a you know high level of uh, fermented um, metabolites produced, you want a relatively long fermentation process. But to weigh against that, you've got the commercial considerations that it's much cheaper to grow it for a short time. So, mm, Like um, other things, mass produced, yep. Yeah, so you, 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 then, you then turn over a batch every 30 days rather than every 90 days, and that triples your, your production. So it lowers your cost and you know, increases your profit. So so there's a lot of uh, different um, variables uh, in regard to this, and we haven't even got into uh, extraction uh, technology. So going back to Linda's the original question in terms of how you can uh, select, to a, to some extent, yes, you. One aspect is um, I always encourage people to taste. Uh, the type of product and you know because i'm a chinese herbalist and like you know i think you know most herbalists you know the taste of what we're the taste of the herb is an important part of assessment of its quality and so the same can the same is true for 
uh, mushroom uh, products. So when you're looking at mycelial biomass products, if it tastes like rice powder, then it probably is mostly rice powder. <laughs> it hasn't been ferment. The fermentation process has stopped at the point that the rice has been myceliated. So the mycelium has grown through it, but you've got a very still, you know, vast majority of it is still rice powder. You haven't actually converted that into, into mushroom mycelium to a significant degree, or you know, had long enough to produce high levels of um, some of the key secondary metabolites. So if it tastes like rice powder, it probably is rice powder, um, uh, or mostly rice powder or grain. And if it tastes more like a fermented material, then it, you've got a longer fermentation process. With the extracts, you know, the one of the main problems with a lot of extracts uh, coming out of China is that they tend to be adulterated um, and diluted. And the com most common type of... Um, adulterant, if you like, is maltodextrin. So maltodextrin is a polysaccharide. It's a long chain of sugar molecules, which are joined through alpha linkages, which our digestive enzymes can break down. So we taste it as sweet because we can break it down into glucose. We can't break down the polysaccharides that form structural components of the mushroom cell wall because they're joined by beta linkages in the vast majority of cases. So mushroom powder just doesn't taste sweet. But when you get an extract or a mushroom, pure mushroom extract won't taste sweet. But where you get a mushroom extract that tastes sweet, then it means, you know, there's probably almost certainly some maltodextrin um, added in there. So, um, yeah, there are two areas that can help to differentiate when you're talking about powders. But beyond that, you know, it is to some extent, you know, the company, you know, you need to, uh, you, one is in the hands of the company mm. who is producing the product, unfortunately, uh, to, to some extent. So basically stick with reputable companies like yours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I always, you know, I like, I like to empower people, you know, to be able to um, make their own judgment and their own assessment and hence the you know, tasting, I think, is important. But, you know, there are you know, aspects that we can't as an individual have the ability to fully evaluate. And so, yes, you are, it is then does, does come down to buying from a reputable supplier or supplier that you feel to be reputable. And because again, we know you're you and you've said this, you're not good at marketing yourself, your range, your micronutri range, those are all extract. Is that right? <laughs> They're not all extracts. They um, also use some mycelial biomass that's been grown for a longer period of time, 90 days. And that's because you know, when we look at the active constituents in mushrooms, so it, it depends what the mushroom is. It depends what the clinical application is. So there are products which are 100% extract. So for instance, reishi and chaga in that range are 100% dual extracts. Um, so they combine hot water extracts because hot water extraction gives you high level of the immune modulating polysaccharides, but the and beta, beta glucans and related polysaccharides. But those are not the only component compounds from mushrooms which are therapeutically effective. At the same time, mushrooms produce a wide variety of secondary metabolites, other compounds which they produce largely for their antimicrobial properties. 
because as I mentioned, mushrooms, when they're growing in the wild, are growing in areas, in substrates, in the soil, in rotting wood, which are you know, home to millions of other microorganisms, other fungi, bacteria, uh, parasites, you know, nematodes. So all of these organisms are competing with one another. And in order to be able to survive in that environment, mushrooms have evolved the capacity to produce a diverse range of secondary metabolites, antimicrobial compounds. So it, when we think about, it's not a mushroom, but when we think about penicillin, which is another uh, fungus, then of course that produces penicillin. And it produces penicillin uh, in order to be able to out to defend itself from bacteria. <laughs> so uh, in the same way that penicillin produces penicillin, mushrooms produce a wide variety of secondary metabolites. So, and in many cases, these compounds also turn out to have significant health benefits. So one of the most widely distributed in mushrooms is lovastatin. Mm. And yeah. Lovastatin, the widest, the best-selling prescription drug, I think, in the world um, at the moment for cholesterol control. That is found in, originally it was isolated from two species, other species of penicillium, but it's also found in many mushroom species. You know, so it's found in, in reishi, in sun agaric, in oyster mushrooms. And they produce it not because it has an impact on cholesterol metabolism, but because it is a strong antifungal agent. So it helps them compete with other fungi. So when we think about this, so these secondary metabolites, and in terms of reishi, reishi produces over 130 different terpenoid compounds, triterpenes, uh, which you know, have a range of therapeutic benefits, including anti-inflammatory, sedative, um, ACE-inhibiting, uh, you know, anti-cancer. So these compounds, these terpenoid compounds, are the other half, if you like, of its therapeutic possibilities. One half are the immune-modulating beta-glucans-related polysaccharides. The other half are the terpenes as well as other compounds like lovastatin that it contains. And these are much more soluble in alcohol or in organic solvents. So, you know, that's why we use a dual extract, which is a combination of a hot water extract and an ethanolic extract, in order to be able to deliver, you know, high levels of both polysaccharides and triterpenes. Wow. I don't know why I, mean, I, I, I sorry I went I went off a bit on that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's very good. It's very um, well. It's as you said. It is not a simple response. It's not a simple answer because of the complexity of the of mushrooms uh, themselves. And I think that's what make, makes them so fascinating because, you know, a lot of people see mushrooms as immune modulators or immune support, but they can do so much more yeah. and that's why i'm so passionate about it i don't think i've got a client who leaves without a prescription <laughs> for mushrooms because they can do everything they yeah they are very um versatile and you know i've always you know they're not you know they're, they're not a panacea but they were the other nice thing about mushrooms is they get they work well alongside other forms of 
supplement, mm. other therapeutic modalities. So you know you can give a range of other nutritional supplements and a mushroom supplement, and they don't. And, and they work alongside medications. I think that that's also fascinating. Mm. Yep, lots of evidence. There's very little in the way of contraindications. I mean, there are some areas with some mushrooms that one needs to be a little bit cautious about. But you know, when you you're talking about uh, cancer care, yes, you know, they have there's a, quite a good body of clinical evidence using them alongside prescription. Uh, chemotherapeutic agents or alongside radiotherapy and showing, you know, beneficial responses um, mm-hmm. in terms of reduction of side effects, etc. So, yes, I mean, they're, they're, you know, and at the end of the day, a lot of them are also food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can just eat them. Just don't want to eat them. Exactly. Because that's at the end of the day, you know. Again, I I I feel sometimes like I'm repeating myself in different scenarios, but uh, or talks. But I, I I I really, you know, I strongly feel that health doesn't come out of a bottle or shouldn't come out yeah, of a bottle, yeah. and that at the end of the day, it's important for people to be able to know that they have the possibility to be able to maintain their own health without the use of supplements. You know, if they're in a position through their lifestyle, uh, through their uh, environment, to be able to live in a relatively balanced, you know, uh, way. Of course, we all sometimes get a bit out of balance. You know, our health gets a bit out of balance, and at those points in time, we need some. We sometimes need some outside intervention to help bring us back into um, a, a place of balance. But you know, within that. Uh, state then yes you know we can make we have the ability we don't need supplements we have the ability to be able to maintain our health in that um uh, sweet spot if you like yeah. and then yeah it just using mushrooms as part of your diet is you know, a fantastic way to consume them and i think we you know i would definitely encourage you know everybody to eat more mushrooms it tends to be on my uh, protocols mushrooms any all the time you know of course not poisonous ones (laughs) Um, i must tell you martin um i had absolutely fantastic results with with my daughter who um had so warts on her fingers and and they were there for a very long time and we tried everything possible natural um, we tried sort of pharmaceutical, all those horrible lacquers. And then I put her on reishi. Um, mm. She was about 11 at that time. So I put her on uh, 500 milligrams of extract. And within seven months, those wards disappeared and they have never come back. Wow. Fantastic. So uh, it's just amazing because you know that this is healing from the inside Mm. rather than you know putting just something on on the actual ward this is healing from inside and that that's absolutely fascinating you know, it, it's it's amazing so she still takes her reishi um, <laughs> she she loves it because that that's kind of her maintenance she still takes her reishi but it, it was absolutely amazing to see how quickly this has disappeared after having them for sort of a couple of years and and nothing shifted great yes no i i think that um yeah, they say they they are they were they're working you know fundamentally with the body because mm. you know our immune system has evolved the capacity to recognize these cell wall components of mushrooms um, and to be able to respond to them appropriately with you know increased uh, efficacy of immune responses to a range of different conditions 
So it's not like we're trying to you know, teach new teach our body new tricks, if you like. <laughs> we're just trying to get it to perform its old tricks. Yeah. See, I always explain it to my clients as the mushrooms kind of help your body do the right thing. It, they help your immune system to make the right decisions. I think that's just a simple way to really describe it to them. Mm. Yeah. Yes, totally. But of uh, course, it's right. it's much more technical, and you would be absolutely fantastic at explaining that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I think sometimes it's good to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to be able to do both. Can I can I get you both to talk a little bit about? I don't know if this is okay or not, but you know how you this is becoming more and more common of, of working with conventional medications and utilizing mycotherapy to support the medication. And, and that's done a lot, I know, with cancer. But is there is there any more that you can talk about that together? Because I know, Linda, you have done this because you work with a lot of clients that have cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and I know you, as you say, it's almost always on any of your protocols for anyone that you see that they should have mushrooms. But one, I wonder, Martin, do you work with conventional medicine doctors in this area much, or is it still such a narrowed field? Or well, I, I think they say it's it's a, it's a difficult area because um, you know largely the attitude or approach of uh, most oncologists, you know, they because they don't understand mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, their default position is that patients should not be taking any other form of supplementation mm-hmm. uh, alongside the conventional uh, treatment because they're concerned that you know, there could be an impact on the pharmacokinetics, I mean, the way the body processes and metabolizes the drugs and therefore the, the, the level in the body or could potentially impact on the, um, on the efficacy uh, of the drugs, there was, you know, there, there was this this whole issue of uh, you know, taking antioxidants alongside because some uh, part of the therapeutic effect, efficacy of some chemotherapeutic agents is because they raise they they produce they raise levels of free radicals in the mm-hmm. cells. Um, so there was some concern that anti dietary antioxidants might impact on that adversely but there's a lot of evidence to show that show that isn't the case because you know the level of intake of dietary antioxidants is not sufficient to change cellular oxidation status or in in, in intercellular um, uh, oxidation status and mushrooms also in many cases have been shown although in vitro you can demonstrate antioxidant activity Uh, on a cellular level they actually help to also produce part of their activity is to increase production of free radicals uh, in the cell so they work alongside the chemotherapeutic agents as well as supporting the immune system to help it deal with the side effects but you're you're coming a lot of the a lot of the conventional medical approach is to say no to across the board so it really depends upon the oncologist or the doctor how open they are Mm -hmm. to um, integrating or the patient uh, doing other forms of taking other forms of therapy alongside the conventional treatment and at this point in time that's that's still fairly rare I find yeah I would say this the same I've it is very rare to find an oncologist who will say, yes, it's okay to take 
supplements and they generally say don't take anything that comes in a capsule um and and it is of course the stat it, there's no standard to supplements so it's very difficult for them to to okay um the taking of the supplements what what i tend to do is just send a lot of research and a lot of the times you know clients actually make their own decision i always ask them to talk to their uh, oncologists talk to the pharmacist to make sure there are no interactions but you would find that um, generally clients do make their own research. They do a lot of research. So generally that those clients who come to see us for nutritional therapy or any other um, complementary therapy, they would have already done a lot of research themselves. Uh, but what I find fascinating that uh, Japan has been using Crestin, the PSK uh, extract from turkey tail from, since 1970s alongside of conventional treatment. So it kind of points towards its safety and efficacy. And it's it's I find it frustrating that that hasn't quite translated into what we do here or what oncologists do here. Yes. I mean, it's understand it's it, from their point of view, it's, you know, it is there, as you say, it's understandable because there is no standardization of products mm. out there. And, um, so, you know, in terms of on the market and what patients might be taking and it's, you know, it is the cautious uh, route. But even in those cases where somebody is um, not, you know, is being advised not to take anything, you know, along, uh, from a capsule alongside the conventional treatment and doesn't feel comfortable doing that, then, um, you know, just to include the mushrooms as part of their diet. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, just, just or to... using the powders also, you know, as a, sort of food powder, so a, a good idea. Yeah. Um, but but you know yourself, you know you can actually see people being able to get through chemotherapy um, mm. because they're taking mushrooms because the mushrooms can help with their white blood cell count, so they have very positive effects. Um, so it it can be very frustrating when um, you know there's resistance to it. Yes, it it yes it it, it is it's, it's where we are uh, mm. at the moment mm. and without. Uh, standardized um, products, if you like, which you know, from a medical perspective have gone through the whole pharmaceutical licensing process over here, then, I mean, the product, as you mentioned, there are products like PSK in Japan that have gone through pharmaceutical licensing process over there. But until there are products you know, here on the market that have done that similarly, um, you know, it's, uh, it's understandable that oncologists mm -hmm. might be somewhat wary. Uh, about you know giving their uh, you know giving a sort of green light <laughs> yeah, to yeah. patients um, taking stuff, but it, there's yeah it's very as you say from a clinical perspective it's very clear that you know there's benefit taking mushroom beta glucan polysaccharide particularly based products alongside um, uh, conventional treatments um, and so one. You know, I would support always support patients in that, and as Linda says, you know, you can send them research, and uh, then yeah, but at the end of the day, they need to make the decision. And that sort of begs the question. You know, I've had the same thing come up with clients that are rattling because they're taking so much medication, not because they have cancer, but because they've got this heart condition, stomach issues, et cetera, et cetera. And they've, they're on so many things that then you get advised not to 
suggest that they take mushrooms because that's going to cause havoc. So we there's all that push me pull you between some uh, faction of of nutritional therapists that say no 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 that you shouldn't do that that's too much. So there's just still so many questions out there about how the two will work together. Well, I mean, that's again, so from that point of view, we always have where one is feeling and sometimes it's not so much the supplements, but it's the medication Mm -hmm. because where you have somebody on half a dozen different drugs, the interaction between those drugs is really not understood. Exactly. And so, you know, we don't really rightly know, you know, you throw something else uh, into the mix, you know, whether it you know, could have uh, an impact, except, you know, where that substance itself really is a food. And again, where there is a concern that the uh, level of uh, medication, patient's got quite a lot of different drugs, the liver is having to process all of these different drugs, and we're not really sure about the interactions uh, between them, then I would always take the approach of, of steering towards mushrooms which were themselves food so things like shiitake maitake you know possibly you know lion's mane etc snow fungus these type of mushrooms where yeah they're just they're 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 food and where the key active constituent are the polysaccharides because the polysaccharides themselves which are the key immune modulating component they don't appear to interact with um, any you know, drugs. They don't appear to have any impact on liver enzyme metabolism. So I feel quite comfortable using those or polysaccharide-based supplements alongside you know, even multiple drug uh, combinations. It's very exciting, really, to know that you can you have these options with it. And it just, again, shows the beauty and power of, of food, doesn't it? And how it can get in and do its do its own dance to help support the body in the way that it needs to. Yes. I mean, our body has evolved along. We, we've, we've evolved together. We've, we've evolved, you know, eating you know, these substances. We've evolved. Our immune systems evolved to recognize them and, um, you know, respond kind of appropriately. Linda, what what sort of questions? I've got something in my mind, but what questions do you have? Um, I actually would like Martin to speak about the adaptogenic um, properties of mushrooms, uh, because again, I find it fascinating that you can take two seemingly sort of opposing conditions like Graves disease and Hashimoto's, and you can use one mushroom, you can use cordyceps. Now, there's research showing that cordyceps can reduce the antibodies for both of these conditions. So, again, it just seems the mushrooms, just as, as Martin said, they work with your, your body. They work within um, the body, kind of really making the change from the inside. So could, could you speak a bit about the adaptogenic properties and, and how they work? Yes, well, what you're referring to there is what we often use the term immune modulation, mm. uh, because they help to restore, if you like, a healthy immune function. And that's their ability to do that is because our immune system has evolved alongside fungal pathogens. So when, you know, since we split from 
from an evolutionary perspective and the animals and fungi split um you know i think i think it's supposedly around 600 million years ago you know that we started to evolve separately since that point we have always evolved alongside fungal pathogens so as our immune system has evolved it's evolved to recognize fungi as as foreign and it does that through recognizing the cell wall components of mushrooms and other fungi as foreign through a number of different receptors on the surface of most uh, immune categories of cells in the, that make up the immune system. So they have the ability to recognize these compounds. And when they recognize the presence of these uh, compounds, they respond by uh, recognizing uh, they respond in a balanced way. It's not like they, uh, the immune system suddenly goes into overdrive. Um, the immune system then increases levels of immune activity where these are, uh, are weak or uh, reduced in chronic immune deficient conditions, such as cancer or many chronic viral conditions. But also as Linda mentioned, in conditions where there is an ele already an elevated level of immune activity in autoimmune conditions, in allergies, in these conditions, what we see is that, that uh, the use of mushroom supplementation helps to reduce those levels of immune activity. So they have a modulating effect on the immune system. And that's in conditions such as you know, there's Graves and Hashimoto's, that paper Linda referred to, and also in other conditions. I mean, one very interesting condition that uh, you know, mushrooms get used a lot in is in infertility, <laughs> where the infertility is associated with elevated natural killer cell levels in the uterus, um, in the endometrium, and elevated cytokine levels that are then attacking the uh, fetus, uh, recognizing it as foreign and rejecting it, leading to often you know, early miscarriage. So in these cases where infertility or, or repeated miscarriages are associated with elevated levels of immune activity, uh, the use of mushroom supplements is very effective in reducing them. And you can monitor the levels of the natural killer cells. You can monitor the cytokine levels and see them returning to within normal parameters you know, within a couple of months. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of areas where this you know, immune modulating adaptogenic property of mushrooms working together with the immune system to help to restore healthy immune function uh, has benefits. So... Yeah, it's a, it also makes them very easy to use therapeutically because you don't have to be worried too much about um, uh, what uh, the balance of the immune system is and what the impact of the mushrooms on the immune system will be because basically it will help to bring it back to a place of balance. Uh, can you also dispel the myth about mushrooms and fungal overgrowth? Yes. Um, mushrooms... Uh, are in many cases, in some cases, people do have allergic reactions to mushrooms. There are some people who are allergic uh, and that's very clear, but in most, uh, that's relatively few. So in, and in most cases, uh, it's fine, including in cases where there's pre-existing fungal overgrowth. And that's because 
mushrooms impact on the immune system is to increase the ability of the immune system to respond effectively to a range of infectious conditions uh, or malignant conditions, but including fungal conditions. Mm. So that increase in immune activation, immune efficacy includes two fungal conditions. Also, in many cases, mushrooms themselves produce antifungal compounds. So I mentioned lovastatin earlier um, from oyster mushrooms, from reishi, etc. Another one from shiitake is eritadinine. You know, another antifungal compound produced by shiitake mushrooms. So these are, you know, numbers. There are numbers of antifungal compounds. And thirdly, the things, of course, which do uh, potentiate fungal growth. The worst thing, if you have a, if you have candida, really, is sugar. And so mushrooms don't contain sugar, uh, at least if you're talking about just a dietary uh, mushroom. Um, so yes, you don't contain, they don't contain dietary sugar, so they don't pretend for, uh, encourage proliferation uh, from that perspective. And they do, uh, increasingly now we're seeing that they do have a positive impact also on the uh, microbiome. You know, they're looking at the impact of mushrooms and mushroom extracts on the uh, gut microbiome, showing increases in uh, short-chain fatty acids, increases in bacterial populations which are considered to be beneficial, um, you know, such as bifidobacter, and decreases in bacterial populations uh, which are considered to be harmful, such as clostridium species. Mm. So we're seeing that part of, as well as their ability to in- positively on the immune system, they also have this ability to have a positive impact on the gut microbiome. And through that, of course, on the you know, general uh, functioning of you know, multiple organ systems and body systems. I must say, I love using uh, mushrooms as a part of gut healing protocol. <laughs> She's that. not saying that lightly either, Linda. <laughs> <Mushrooms>. <laughs> So, but again, it's it's using the, the right mushrooms at the right point of time, you know. That, so I use shiitake for their antibacterial, uh, antimicrobial properties. Of course, reishi for reducing the inflammation, and then lion's mane um, yeah. for the gut mucosa repair. And I think that is so so amazing to use that in that way. And you know, they're not harsh like a lot of people use antimicrobial herbs that are quite harsh and can mm. can have all these side effects. I have never seen mushrooms giving anybody side effects like when we see die off. Mm. So they're very gentle. Yep, no, they are. They are. They have many. Um, uh, they have many many properties, many benefits, uh, many talent, many talents, if you like. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, Martin, I've done several podcasts with Linda. I've said this before, and on, honestly, I think every one of them, mushrooms, they, they come into the discussion. Somehow she finds some way to pop them into the discussion. She just does. She can't help herself. <laughs> she really can't. And our next podcast that we're, we're doing together is really going to be, I know it's going to come up more and more. So, um, well, what next? I mean, there are loads of things that we could continue to talk about. Is there, what else would you, is there anything else in particular you would like to ask, Linda? Did you have something? I actually want to know what's Martin's favorite medicinal mushroom. <laughs> I know it's like asking you to choose between your children. So <laughs> Yeah, we'll ask her next. We'll ask Linda next, Martin. Uh, well, I 
I think um, I, I, I like Ray, I mean I like reishi and I think reishi is a fantastic um, mushroom and it's of course the mushroom of immortality mm. and it's the sort of Chinese mushroom par excellence in Chinese uh, culture and they're coming from that background I think it's it's kind of hard to beat <laughs> reishi. I think you know lion's mane is another mushroom you've mentioned that is an amazing mushroom, and I think a very important mushroom at this mm. you know juncture because of its beneficial effects not only for the gut but also for the nervous system. And you know I I also um, you know I I really like uh, snow fungus. I've never actually used snow fungus, and I need to find out more about snow fungus from you. It's a, it, it's. I like it because it's a very sort of mild, gentle, unassuming. You know, it's an unassuming type of mushroom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have doesn't have particularly strong flavour. You can buy it in Chinese supermarkets and hydrate it and use it in either savoury or sweet uh, dishes. The polysaccharides are very. Uh, they have high moisture retention properties, so it's used in some cosmetic products some cosmetic companies are now you know picking it up and using it in their products to increase moisture retention uh, properties but also they have the ability to promote microcirculation to the skin they also have been shown to have uh, they also have been shown to promote neurite outgrowth so again some neurological properties they help with the cardiovascular system they help with circulation uh, so it's a yeah, it's a nice one from a, a kind of age. I mean, these are all good. They're all good from aging perspectives. Again, I'm, you know, I think none of us are as young as we used to be. <laughs> um, I think it's another good reason to take to eat more mushrooms because yeah. <laughs> they have so many benefits in relation to different aspects of the aging process and snow fungus you know because the ability for good for the circulatory system, good for the immune system, good for the brain, and good for the skin. So that ability to help to promote microcirculation to the skin helps to maintain skin health and uh, vitality uh, as well. So, um, yeah, just a a nice, unassuming uh, little mushroom uh, that we could all benefit from. One I'll definitely be adding to my uh, diet. Mm. Yeah, I was just on your micronutri site and and looking at them and it looks a bit like a, a sponge. Exactly. Yeah. So if you, makes sense. If you, I mean, it's an interesting uh, mushroom. So it's in terms of the different different types of raw material. This is a product again, which is a hundred percent extract in the micronutrient okay. range. There is no point using any mycelial biomass. You know, mycelial biomass is is good if you have high levels of secondary metabolites, these antimicrobial compounds. You know, then it's a it's an appropriate form of supplementation. But where, in this case, because snow fungus actually grows parasitically on other fungal species. So that fruiting body that you see there is formed when it encounters its preferred, one of its preferred host species. And then the snow fungus, the tremella, then penetrates into the uh, fungal cells of its preferred host and uses the nutrients 
of its host to produce this wonderful fruiting body that looks like a sponge. And because it's growing on another fungal species, it's of course not going to produce any antifungal compounds, you know, because it doesn't want to kill its host. So 100% of the therapeutic properties of, uh, or virtually all the therapeutic properties of snow fungus are related to uh, its polysaccharides. And so what you see in the Chinese supermarkets, you'll see these like sponges, which are very dry, very hard. But when you add water, they just rehydrate uh, very easily and very uh, quickly. And of course, these things you address in your book, The Clinical Guide, don't you? You talk about all of this or not not all of it because because you can't. I mean, it'd be, a, it'd be <laughs> thousands and thousands of pages, but you address some of this in your book. Yes, I mean, it, it to, to some extent, there's always more to say. And as I said, the clinical guide, the original intention for that book was to help practitioners make informed clinical decisions. Uh, so there are, it probably could be expanded in relation to how to use mushrooms and dietary use of mushrooms. I don't really cover that uh, at all. Um, but, you know, maybe I should, I should do it in the third edition. <laughs> That would be great, I think. Don't you, Linda? Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Martin. We're on the job. We we all, we have already pre-ordered. So. <laughs> We're giving you something else that you need to do. So, so that does lead me to the question: you you do you do a lot of stuff, and I mean stuff in the you're busy. You have lots of things going on. What what is What's going? What are you doing going forward? Are you going to continue to to grow and sell more products? Are you going to be advising more and helping more companies that are wanting to start their own? Are you going to be teaching more? Um, what do you want to share that with us? <laughs> well, I'm yeah, absolutely going to be continuing with the uh, mushroom education side of things. The first, so one thing that I I've been aware of uh, for some time um, is that you know, when you publish a book, of course, it's out of date as soon as it gets published because mm-hmm. you know you have new thing, new information coming out. So I had um, I've had an idea for a, a while now to bring out a magazine, mm-hmm. which would then help to be a channel for communication with people to help to uh, keep people informed with the latest research and also to share knowledge and information between practitioners working in different countries, uh, in different fields. So to form the role almost like a mycelium, the information exchange nourished to nourish us all, if you like, and share that nourishment um, and include other things about mushrooms, you know, in terms of their ecological you know, as air possibilities and, you know, people working with them in different ways. So that magazine hopefully will be ready in about a month. The first the first issue, hopefully we're ready in about a month and a half. Oh, amazing. Exciting. Uh, so, yes, that's, it's, I mean, because of the, the COVID situation, um, it's been a little bit, uh, it's been quite difficult um, and it might not, you know, be have quite as much in uh, the, the things that I'd wanted to put in there that we won't, won't, won't happen. But I think it will still be a useful uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is to bring it out then twice a year. Mm-hmm. 
so you know we have all the latest uh, news and research um, and share you know, uh, you know case histories and, um, and you know, news about the the world of mushrooms so that's one area and the other area is to put more online material out there uh, about mushrooms so people have access to that so there's a lot more on the educational side related to mushrooms that i'm um, working on and also you know i've uh, because of working with mushrooms one of the main areas of clinical application of mushrooms as we've touched on is cancer mm -hmm. and because cancer brings with it a lot of fear and it's you know fear ultimately of death so the you know, a lot of the people that I've you know worked with, you know, they're struggling uh, with this. And for a while now, I've wanted to say to people, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm -hmm. you know, it depends on how you look at death and how you look at life mm -hmm. and your you know self-identification, if you like. So another area of helping people was to try to put that the fact that there is an alternative point of view, if you like, uh, relating to life and death that maybe would help people uh, when they're struggling in this way. And so I've just also uh, put together a very small booklet um, called Waves on the Ocean, which is really just saying to people that you know there is another way to look at this. There's another way to look at life, to look at your life, and you know how that you know can maybe be um, you know change also how one thinks about about death. So there's a it's a it's only it's like twelve centimeters by twelve centimeters and thirty six pages. So when I say small, it is very small. <laughs> can how do we how do we get it? Can you buy it from your one of your websites or Amazon or both? Sounds um, lovely. Sounds lovely. Uh, there, it, it is on Amazon. Um, uh, the uh, the uh, it will be available also on uh, websites. Um, I need to yes, it's just I, I think I got the uh, I got the copies back from the printer maybe two weeks ago. Oh gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so it's fairly it's been you know like years in preparation and it was like, you know, one of those things you write you write you know thousands of words and then you cut it down to i don't know how many words there are in total it's it's very it's very zen if you like so it's maybe i don't know whether it's got 200 words in it it's because it's um so it it tries to say a lot with very little okay uh, and i'll let you be the judge of whether it succeeds or not <laughs> And it's waves on the ocean. Is that yes, right? It okay. is. We'll have to. I've, we'll have a look and see if we can put a link on um, the show notes so people can find find your book because um, it sounds like a, a really valuable book. And I think you're right. We we get really we get very wound up in the fear of dying instead of looking at our lives and and where we are and. Uh, what's going on and, um, and my own mom died recently and she was very much about embracing the life that she had and how she was so ready to go on and she did so in at, at peace and with great ease and and surrounded in love and it was a beautiful process for her doesn't take away from the missing but um 
it, it can be a beautiful thing. It sounds weird to te- for some people to hear that, but I think it's something that we could all embrace more, really. I think it's a really important, it's, it's yeah, incredibly important um, yeah. area. And, you know, I think anything that you know, can help people um, is good because it, be, it can be like that and there's no reason why you know, it can't be. But the, the, the reason why it can be more of a struggle, again, it goes, they're very, it, it's, it's just not easy for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. So, so there will also be, I think I've, I've put the book up on the website. I'm going to okay. make a slight change to it. Um, uh, very slight, but so it will be possible for people to access it through or have a uh, initially uh, look at just read it online. It's nice to have the finished book because it's it's on nice paper and it's kind of stitched, and so it would be nice to have the finished book. But for a lot of people, again, accessing it online, so I've put it on wavesontheocean.com. Okay, um, and so it's. There were some issues with the quality of the images. Uh, there are some slight issues, but it, it is there, so you can have a look at it there. Okay, okay. Um, is there anything in particular you would like to talk about that we haven't addressed so far? I think that's really um, has been a very enjoyable talk, and uh, <laughs> I hopefully you know useful and you know will encourage people. And it is about our own journey, our own exploration. And, you know, mushrooms, you know, I'm very happy that uh, they're starting to come more into prominence and people are starting to really benefit, realize, you know, that they aren't just those, um, you know, little white things in the punnet at the supermarket. They a lot more than that and uh, are able to benefit from them. So that, that's, that's the most important thing. They are fascinating. Um, Linda? No, I, I just appreciate the time we, we could spend with you because, as, as always, it was very, very fascinating. Um, and I hope we can do another conversation soon. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. It well, may be more targeted because me and Deb are, are planning on um, doing a series of podcasts for, uh, for cancer patients. So it would be really, really lovely to have you on one of those. Yes. We would well, love let, that. Let me, let, we can certainly discuss and talk about that. That would be great. And I, I don't mean to, if this is going to make you feel awkward, but is there anything that we can do to help you, Martin? I mean, you're doing all of these things to, to spread the word, to create these networks. Um, is there anything in particular that we could do for you? Well, I, I think, you know, what you uh, have done, I mean, it's the... Yeah, what I'm really bad at is the marketing. <laughs> I, I, you know, from my point of view, when once I've put something out there, my job is is done, really. And uh, so, in terms of whether it's the magazine when that comes out, um, which will, you know, said be end of October. So, you know, in terms of your your networks and letting sure. people know, and all this, you know, waves on the ocean. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd be very interested in your feedback after you've you know had a chance to have a look at it, and um, see because I just I think you know there is um, it's it's an important question. It's an important area for uh, us all, and um, I you know I, I hope that that will be of benefit to to people, and, and that it can reach the people who will benefit from it also. 
I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I have no doubt. Okay. And I, and I think from our point uh, of view, we, we can just say that we'll be we'll keep flying the the, the flag for the mushrooms as as much as we can with with our clients and also um, I, I do uh, with my students. So we, we really need to get you know the mushrooms out there and to see the potential that they bring. She does. She's brilliant. She's one of the well. Uh, well, thank you, thank you both, and uh, yeah, thank you again for this opportunity to, um, you know, connect with your 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 audience and you know, to talk to both of you as well and to share, because yeah, that's that's what life is about. Yes, it is our absolute pleasure. So, thank you very much. Thank, thank you so you. much, Martin. Well, folks, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed sitting in and listening in to Martin and Linda talking about the complexities of mushrooms. As holistic practitioners, we always learn about the multitude of benefits that foods can bring forth. But I have to say, mushrooms really are amazing. If you'd like to find out more information, of course, I will be providing details in the show notes, as well as a link to Martin's recent book called Waves in the Ocean. Now then, as usual, there are several things that I would like to talk to you about, and you know one of them's going to be about that Belican. You've got to bounce soft to feel good, and I am happy and excited to say that I can already see the health benefits from using this rebounder over the past two months, and it's really exciting exciting to think that I'm only just getting going. So if you'd like to have any details, I am an affiliate, so I would be delighted to share some information with you. It really is a wonderful company, and I am so honored to be affiliated with such a great organization. On another note, I'd like to thank those of you who have subscribed to my podcast, and if you haven't, please subscribe. It really does make a difference, and also, please share this with other people that you think would find them of benefit. And if you have any feedback for me, please let me know because don't forget, these podcasts are here for you. They're here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. And the only way I'll know that is if you let me know. And one other thing I'd like to let you know about or remind you about is the event that was going to be in September. It has been rescheduled to March 27th, 2021. It's going to be at Engineer's House in Bristol. It is on the multifaceted effects of gut health. And I am so excited to say that Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, sports medicine physio Claire Sinton, and Dr. Caroline Gilmartin are all going to be joining us on the day. I'm so excited we've been able to secure them as speakers. In the meantime, I'm going to have several as guests on my podcasts. We'll also have mini coffee breaks on Instagram Lives. So I hope you'll be able to join us on those. But don't worry, I'll be sure and let you know when they're going to happen. Thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. And until next time, I'd like to wish you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now.